You are listening to messages from Cuyahoga Valley Church in Broadview Heights, Ohio. If you're looking for more resources or want to get in touch, please head to our website at www.cvconline.org. We pray that this message will be an encouragement to your day and help you experience new life in Christ. Good morning. Happy Father's Day to all of you dads out there. Uh, I have had the opportunity to be a dad here for a couple years uh, through the process of adoption. It's a great joy, and I hope that through our message today, dads, that I will both uh, uh, challenge you and encourage you. If we've not met, my name is Joe Valenti. I'm the pastor of CVC Youth, our middle school and high school ministry, and uh, it's great to be with you. I, uh, you may be able to tell by my size, I played football when I was in high school, and I loved playing football. I particularly liked playing football for Coach Calderon. I loved playing football for Coach Calderon because he actually believed that football was training for something more important than football. Maybe you've had a coach, I had a couple coaches in different sports that thought like that sport was the most important thing on the planet. It's like, bro, it is a fifth grade basketball game. Calm down, (laughs) right? What I loved about Coach Calderon is he believed that football was training us for something more important. He believed that it was training us to be men of integrity and he used it that way. He used it as a tool to teach us and to train us. I remember he actually sat, benched our best player. My sophomore year, we were two and eight. So we stunk to begin with. And then he went ahead and benched our best player. So we knew we were going to lose and he didn't care because football was not what was most important. He was aiming to train us to be men, men of integrity. And in the same way that Coach Calderon used football to train us for something more important, parenting is actually training for something that is more important than the family. We're in week two of our series called War and Peace, where we're looking at the last two chapters of Ephesians. The first three weeks about relationships where there's generally war, there ought to be peace. And then in the latter couple weeks, situations where there's generally peace, where there should be war, spiritual war. And last week we looked at marriage. Today we're going to look at parenting. And my hope is that as we look at the Word of God together, we will find that there's far more value in our parenting, in our grandparenting, in our aunting, in our uncling, in our neighboring, in our Sunday school teachering, or what it may be, than we might think. It's far more important, I believe. I have been so deeply challenged as a dad by studying this text, and my prayer is that you will too. So let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll open his word together. <clears throat> Father, I thank you. Uh, I thank you for a full room. Um, I don't take that for granted anymore, because there are so many Sundays where there were so few in this room, and to have the opportunity to gather with the people of God is a blessing. So we thank you for that. I thank you for the children that are in the room today. Would you help all of us, children, parents, and everybody in between, to hear from you? Holy Spirit, open our ears to your word. Every bit of your word is profitable and prepares us for good works. So help us to hear what you would have 
to say to us today and apply it to our lives. Guard me from error. Help me to teach with a pastor's heart, but also with the courage of a warrior. I ask this in Christ's name. Amen. If you would, turn in your Bibles with me to Ephesians 6. Bonus points if your kids know where to find Ephesians. They can turn there with you. Ephesians chapter 6. The first three chapters of Ephesians teach doctrine, truths about God and about us. And then these latter three chapters actually teach about how, in the power of the Holy Spirit, we put that doctrine into action. And 5, the latter part of 5, deals with marriage. And now we're into dealing with the home. Chapter 6, starting in verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. A few interesting things to note here. The letter to the Ephesians was written by Paul. Paul was a modern day, or Paul, Paul was a first century church planter, and he went throughout the Middle East, the area around the Mediterranean Sea, planting churches. And one of the churches he planted was in Ephesus. And he then writes this letter back to the church in Ephesus. And, you know, they didn't have a printing press back then, so they would get a single letter from Paul, and they would gather together, and they would read it. The whole church in Ephesus would gather, and they would read it. And it's interesting here that the assumption that Paul makes in the letter is that the children are there listening. Right? He addresses children. Children, obey your parents. So he doesn't say... He doesn't assume that the parents have said, hey, kids, go play in the other room while we read Paul's letter. It doesn't say, hey, parents, make sure to tell your children to obey you. No, Paul addresses the children. And so we've shifted things a little bit. Our middle schoolers and some of our older elementary kids are in the room today for that purpose. Because this is written to children, the first section of it. Children, obey your parents. There's also, right, the whole church would have gathered... And it's not as if the person reading the letter says, oh, hey, this part is just for parents, so the rest of you can go grab a snack, right? Every part of God's word is profitable for us. And so I've prayed this weekend, I prayed with Pastor Chad and some others this morning, that this text might not perfectly fit your scenario. You might not have kids in your home, you might not be a parent, you might be a single mom or a single dad or... You might be a grandparent raising children. You might have children in your neighborhood. I would ask that you would lean in and listen to what the Holy Spirit might have to say as we look at this text. I have two main points. The first one is for kids. The second one is for parents. Kids, here we go. Obeying your parents trains you to live under God's authority. Obeying your parents trains you to live under God's authority. We're going to talk a little bit about why that's important. You might go, who cares? I'm going to try and teach you why that's important. Look with me again in verses one through three. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Well, first, who's Paul talking to? High school seniors and juniors in the room, college students in the room. Are you a children? Yeah, you are. 
So do you have to obey your parents? Yes, you do. The intent that Paul's talking about here is from where you can understand what your parents are saying, right? Obedience, where you can understand language to the point where you have launched as an adult. I'm going to go ahead and define it as if you're still on your parents' insurance, you're still a child. <laughs> Let's go ahead and put that out there. Okay? So if you're 22 and you're still living in your parents' home and they're still paying your bills, are you a child that has to obey? Yes. And everywhere in between. And honestly, for kids in the room, just real quick, kids in the room, raise your hand real quick so I can see kind of where you guys are. Okay, well, there's like a party in the back, party in the back. Okay, um, the, the Bible, when it talks to kids specifically, the most common, you know what the most common thing that the Bible says to kids is? Obey your parents. Like, I did a word search, looked all through this Bible software I have. The most common thing that the Bible says to children is to obey your parents, here are just a couple. It says it in Ephesians, our text today. It says it in Colossians. It says it in Proverbs. It says it in Deuteronomy. It says it in Leviticus. Over and over and over again, the Bible says, children, obey your parents. Listen to what your parents say. Do what your parents say. Well, what does it mean to obey? There are two parts. You listen. That's usually the hard part. You listen to what they say, and then you do what they say. So obedience is two parts. Listen and then do. Children, obey who? Your parents. How? In the Lord. The phrase actually means in the same way that you would obey God. You humble yourself before God, and so you humbly obey your parents. They ask you to do something, you listen, you honor their role of authority in your life, and you do it. I do want to add this parenthesis, which is important that this phrase, obey your parents in the Lord, means that if your parents ask you to do something that is wrong, you don't have to do it. If your parents ask you to do something that is illegal or that is evil or that you know isn't right, you don't have to do it. If one of your parents or another adult is abusive towards you or is hurting you, and they're telling you that because they have authority, that's okay, they're wrong. And if that's happening, I actually want to encourage you to talk to another adult, to have the courage to do that. You can come and talk to me. You can come and talk to another adult here at church. I'll fight the good fight for you. That's an important thing to consider as we talk about obedience. But the big question that every kid wants to know, children, obey your parents in the Lord. And then there's the big question, the question that every kid is asking about every single thing, why? Right? And the Bible, <laughs> it's like God has a sense of humor. The Bible's answer is because it's right. It's literally what it says. Obey your parents in the Lord. Why? Because this is right. It's like mom saying, because I said so. But I'm going to try and give you a couple more reasons. Why, Pastor Joe, why is it so important that I obey my parents? Why does the Bible talk about obedience so much? Well, there are two reasons. Look with me at verses 2 and 3 again. Honor your father and mother 
This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. See, Paul actually quotes here, he quotes Exodus 20, which is where we find the Ten Commandments. So he goes back to the Old Testament as if to say, hey, is this important? Is obeying, is honoring your parents really, really important? Yes, so important that it's in the Ten Commandments. And it's the first of the commandments that actually has a blessing that comes with it. All the rest of them are just statements. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. You should not lie. You should not steal. You should not covet. But when it says honor your father and mother, there's a blessing that comes with it. That's right. Hallelujah. (laughs) Come on, brother. He's ready for church. This is the first commandment that actually has a promise tied to it. That it may go well with you. If you obey your parents, things will be better for you. You will live long in the land. This idea that society, all of society, is actually bettered because of order in the home. So the first reason why, kids, why obey your mom and dad? Because there's a blessing for you when you do. The second thing is that learning to obey your parents. Why, Pastor Joe? Why do I have to obey? Because it teaches you to live under the authority of someone else. And that is, listen to me, that is the most important thing in the world. Learning to live under the authority of someone else is the most important thing in the world. Kids, raise your hand if you'd like to do what you want to do. I see my son in the back. His hand went, adults, how many of you like to do what you want to do? Raise your hands. It's Father's Day and you're in church. No. Yeah, right? We want to do what we want to do. Whether we're children, whether whether we're toddlers, Nobody, nobody teaches us this. We are born with a sin nature. We want to do what we want to do. We want to be in charge of ourselves. We want to live how we want, act like we want, say what we want, spend our money like we want, do what we want, be where we want to be, consume what we want to consume, wear what we want to wear. We want to be in charge of us. The problem is that's sinful. And the consequences for living under our own authority are eternity in hell separated from God. So, kids, when you obey your mom and dad, it's actually training you to live under the authority of God. You're learning in your home, hopefully, that your feelings and that your opinions and that your desires don't rule the day. God's instructions rule the day. And so your mom and dad are to train you to obey them so that you can learn to obey God. It's the most important thing in the world. That's why. And if you don't like that answer, then uh, just because the Bible said so. 
Notice how the Bible ties our relationship with God to obedience. John 14, 23 says, if anyone loves me, Jesus is talking, he will obey my word. Whoever does not love me does not obey my word. 1 John 5, 3, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. Luke 6, Jesus says, why do you call me Lord and you don't do what I tell you to do? Now, don't, mis- don't, don't misinterpret this. Don't confuse the importance of obedience with the importance of grace. We are saved, brought into God's family by grace through faith in Christ alone. We can't obey our way into God's family. We are saved by grace through faith, by receiving the gift of God through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. But the evidence, or maybe I'll say and, the evidence of being in God's family is that you obey him says, you can not love me and not obey me. Not possible. So kids, obeying your parents trains you to live under God's authority, which is the most important thing in the world. Parents, raising your kids in the discipline and instruction of the Lord trains you to live under God's authority. See, the focus here shifts from the commands to the children and begins a different type of command. Verse four, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Did you see the shift? Do a a fill in the blank with me. The beginning says, children, obey your parents. Verse 2 says, honor your father and mother. Verse 4 talks to whom? Dad. Now, why? Paul could have said, parents. Do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. He doesn't, and he didn't screw up. Paul centers here on dads because, and this is very counter-cultural, cultural, but we're Bible people here. So we look at the Bible. The Bible is as clear as day that men are to take the lead role in their home both in marriage and in parenting. And it's not an overbearing, like Rick talked about last week, sledgehammer approach. It's not a weak approach. It's a Christ-like approach to take the lead. Think about the story of Adam and Eve. Let's, let's actually read it. Genesis 3, verse 6. I'm going to read it really quickly. So when, the women, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. So she's the first one to sin. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. So they both sin. Then the eyes of both were opened, plural. 
Right? We're talking about Adam and Eve. And they, plural, knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Verse 8, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife, both of them, hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Verse 9, but the Lord called to the man and said to him, where are you? Can you imagine that moment? And what does Adam do? Oh, I'm right back here behind her. It was her fault. God calls Adam to account for the leadership of his family. So if there's a problem with parenting in the Valenti house, Lack of discipline, lack of instruction, lack of obedience, rebelliousness. And Jesus comes and knocks on the door. And my gracious hostess of a wife answers the door. He might greet her and say, hi, Linda, great to see you. I need to speak to Joe. We have things to talk about. This is why Paul addresses fathers in verse 4. Because the temptation, because of the fall is to delegate all responsibility for leadership to our wives and for them to take it. And Paul says, men, you have not the sole responsibility. Wives and moms have an immense amount of responsibility in the home, biblically. It's not the sole responsibility, but the lead responsibility. We will be held accountable, men. And so, fathers, he says, don't provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Don't do this and instead do that. See, earlier we talked about kids wanting to do what they want to do. Kids want to be their own leaders, and that's bad for them. So dad is to be the lead, to be the authority figure in the home, and so when rebellion and authority meet, Boom, right? That's what happens. The text does not say, fathers, make sure your kids feel good about every decision you make. Fathers, make sure your kids are happy. Fathers, make sure that your kids are never upset. It's not what it says. It says, do not provoke your children to anger. Well, how do we do that? The way that the sentence rolls out it seems as if the way to do that is to bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Don't provoke your children to anger, but instead bring them up in the discipline of the Lord. I've thought a lot about, like, how does that work? Here's, here's, here's my take. When we bring children up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord, there's consistency to what we say and do. There's a, hopefully, we are submitting ourselves as parents to the refining work of the Holy Spirit so that we approach our children with a shepherd's heart, with a pastoral heart, with the heart that loves and cares and wants to nurture, a, a biblical worldview. If we parent based on our whim for the day, you ever wake up and you're just angry at the world? That happens to me sometimes. And Linda will be like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, I don't know. I'm just angry. 
right? If we parent based on how we feel on any given day or what we watched on television that day or how the boss at work made us feel, our parenting is all over the map, terribly inconsistent, and it's going to drive our kids crazy. It's going to provoke them to anger because nothing makes sense. I have no idea what's going to come in the house when dad gets home. I have no idea what's going to happen when mom gets out of bed. We provoke our children to anger when we raise them according to our own opinions, our own authority instead of God's authority. This is how raising our children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord trains us to live under his authority. Because he says, this is the way to do it. My way, not your way. Live under my authority. He says to bring them up, two words, in the discipline and instruction. I'm going to use, I'm going to explain both words really quickly, but I'm going to go backwards. I'm going to use instruction first. Instruction, bring them up in the instruction of the Lord. It means to teach them by word and example what God requires. We begin by teaching the Bible, right? The Bible is the core textbook that we use for our own behavior and for the expectations of the, of the behavior of our children. Answers in our home begin with, well, what does the Bible say about that? Helping your kids learn to study their Bible on their own. We teach them that God is slow to anger and that he's abounding in steadfast love. We teach them that he's a way better parent than we could ever be. He's so gracious and merciful and forgiving. He laid down his life for us. We teach our daughters biblically about their worth and their value. We teach our sons to take responsibility, to treat women with respect, to work hard. We teach the importance of the fourth commandment to remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy unto the Lord. We do this by prioritizing church and rest and family on Sundays. God asks us for a day, and we ought give it to him. We teach that working hard at school is a way that we honor God with all of our mind. We teach them that we need to take care of the orphan and the poor and the widow, both in word and in deed. We teach them generosity by the way that we steward and spend our money. We explain why it is that we're using our money this way or that way. When they have questions about things they learn at school or about gender or about identity or about evolution or any number of things, we draw them back to a biblical worldview. We instruct them in the ways of the Lord. And here's the thing. The way that this trains us to live under God's authority is that this is really hard. This, what I'm talking about, raising them in the instruction of the Lord is exhausting because it's easier to let them do whatever they want. Right? I just, I don't want to deal with the drama. Just do whatever you want. How many parents can I get an amen that trying to do devotions during dinner is a battle? You know what I mean? It's like, I, I quit. <laughs> Flying the white flag. But it trains us to live under God's authority because his way 
is actually the way of discipline and obedience in our own lives to raise our children. What might this look like? No, daughter, you cannot wear that outfit. But dad, why? Well, you could do or say something that incites them to anger, that provokes them to anger. You might just not feel like dealing with it on that on any given day, and you say, you know, wear whatever you want. Not helpful. Because I said so. Not super helpful. You might say, sweetie, one of my roles as your dad is to protect you. And I'm really concerned that if you wear that, the boys might say or do things to you that would hurt you. And that concerns me. Or you might say, hey, you know, like we've, we've talked over the years about modesty, and mom models modesty really well. The Bible commands us that we're to dress modestly. And so like we might have different definitions of modesty, but I don't think that's modest. And it doesn't honor God, so you can't wear it. Or you might say something like this in a bit of repentance. You might say, honey, one of the commands on my life is that you would get your value and your worth from the way that I love you, from the way that I display God's love to you. And if you're wearing those clothes, it communicates to me that maybe I'm doing a bad job of that and that you're trying to find your value and worth somewhere else. So can we talk about that? That might be a way that you bring a daughter up in the instruction of the Lord. Yes, son, you are getting a job this summer. But dad, come on, I just want to hang with my friends. Why? Because I said so, that's why. Fine, if you want to just sit around this house and be a lazy bum all summer, I don't care. Right, you could say those things that incite or provoke your children to anger that are inconsistent and unhelpful. Or you could say, hey, son, one thing I know about you and that you know about me and that we know about men is that we are all tempted to be lazy. Because of the fall, we're all tempted to be lazy. And the temptation, if you don't have a job this summer, is that you're going to sit around this house and do nothing. And God hates laziness. It's all over the Bible. And so I'm just concerned that if you don't have a job, you're going to wake up at noon, you're going to eat cereal in your bed, you're going to play video games, and you're going to hang out with your buddies until two in the morning, rinse and repeat. And I'm just not okay with that, and I don't think God's okay with that, bud. Secondly, we've talked about this multiple times, son, that work ethic is really important. God commands us as men to to care for our homes, to provide for our families. And this is training time. There's very little at stake. I'm still paying the bills. So this is training time for you to learn good work ethic so that you can earn a good wage and take care of your family. He may not like your answer, but it's biblical and it's consistent. That might be a way that you would raise your son in the instruction of the Lord. There are tons of examples, but those are just a few. Raise our children in the instruction and to the discipline of the Lord. Discipline 
is when you give a consequence that the person does not enjoy in order to change their behavior. So uh, one of my favorite movies, I'll go back to football again. One of my favorite movies is Remember the Titans with Denzel Washington. And Petey is their running back, and he keeps fumbling the football. And Denzel Washington goes, Petey, why are you fumbling my football? And he says, how many inches are in a mile? How many feet are in a mile? 5,250, I forget what the number is. He goes, you pick this football up, you run every one of them. Now, what's the intent? That when Petey's holding that football, he'll remember having to run that mile and hold that football a little bit tighter. When you get grounded, kids or parents, when you ground a child, the intent is, I don't like this. And so I'm not going to repeat the behavior that got me there. Proverbs 22:15. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child. Foolishness, all in the heart of your child, parents. What gets it out? The rod of discipline drives it far from him. Proverbs 3, 11, and 12. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof, for the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. See how God connects discipline to love? If you will not discipline your children, you don't love them. Proverbs 23, 13 and 14. Do not withhold discipline from a child. Listen to this. If you strike him with a rod, he will not die. He's talking about corporal punishment, about a swat on the behind. If you strike him with a rod, he will not die. If you strike him with a rod, you will save his soul from Sheol, the Old Testament word for hell. How is that the case? How is it that discipline will save my child from hell? It happens because we are training them to respond to the discipline of a heavenly father. And just like I talked to the kids, if they will not choose to live under the authority of God, or in this case, if they will not respond to the discipline of God and change their behavior, the consequences are eternal. It's that big of a deal. Let me be as clear as I can. A child, any person, a child who will not submit to the authority of God and respond to the discipline of God will spend eternity in hell. My wife and I have talked about, you hear these stories in the news about kids being abducted and just the mental anguish of not knowing where your child is. This is far worse of knowing where your child is and knowing that it's too late for you to do anything about it forever.
Kids, obeying your parents trains you to live under God's authority. And that's the most important thing in the whole world. Parents, raising your kids in the discipline and instruction of the Lord trains you and them to live under God's authority. And that's the most important thing in the world. Kids, you might say, but Pastor Joe, like, <laughs> I'm going to mess up. I can't do this perfectly. I disobey my parents all the time. What do I do with that? Or parents in the room. The reason we don't like hearing this stuff is because it's really close to home and we fail pretty often. This is where, to close our time together, the home is where we saturate one another in the gospel. Child in the room, teenager in the room, college student in the room, you're going to fail over and over and over again. And the responsibility of your parents is to instruct you and to discipline you and to forgive you and to point you to a God who can forgive you once and for all. They would point you to a God who's gracious and loving and who can forgive all of your sins. And mom and dad, when you mess up, when you screw up, when you fly off the handle, don't give up. Live in the truth of the gospel that there is mercy for you and there's forgiveness for you. It's okay to apologize to your kids. It teaches them the heart of God. And you can be reminded every day that there's a better father than you. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Lord, there's so much to say about this topic and not enough time to say it. And so would you help us? Would you help me as I strive to be a better dad, to be a better husband, to be students of my children and learn the various ways in which I can guide them in the instruction and discipline of the Lord? Would you help our church family in so many various scenarios? Dad not there, divorce, abandonment, mental illness, abuse. I can't possibly cover it all today. Holy Spirit, would you apply your word to our hearts? And would you help us as the family of God to encourage one another with your word that we might see and know your truth more fully in our lives. Would you help us to be a better family as a church? Would you help our families individually to more fully reflect your relationship to us? 
We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for listening, friends. If you want to talk about anything that you've heard today, don't hesitate to reach out. You can find contact information and current teaching series on our website at www.cvconline.org.